Good morning. So I really uh, enjoyed that last song. Uh, I have the words here to it even. I asked Chad, can I? Because I get the songs in advance. I get final approval. No, just kidding. Uh, But who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing grace. And the grace is from God. And so you might ask, and a lot of our, our, our songs, rightly so, are worship songs directed to God's greatness and how God works in our life. But you might ask, so why the church? If it's Christ who has the power of sin over darkness in our life and Christ who's so much stronger is Christ, why the church? Why do we need the church? Have you ever known anyone who said, okay, I'm a, I'm a Christian, but I, I don't really need the church? Put it this way, I'm a Christian, but I don't need the body of Christ. I think one of the things we have to understand as we're going through the series on the church is God has chosen His church, His body, to be the means of grace. That this, all these things that come from Christ, and they do, but they come through His church in, in many of the time. That's why uh, the author of Hebrews writes, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, 25, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If we're not engaging with one another, if we're not encouraging one another, if we're not being the grace of God, if God, uh, God isn't using and, and filtering in many ways His grace through us, we won't experience that grace. We won't experience the love of God in our lives. I believe it's in many ways through the body of Christ that we experience Christ in our lives. And so I just encourage us in that this morning as we begin this week's message. Last week in our series on the church, we looked at the first half of our mission. So the, the mission of the church. We have a mission. The task that for His glory and by His grace and for our good, God has given His church, His body, the body of Christ to accomplish in this world. And the first half of that, uh, of that mission is, uh, anyone remember The first part of the mission, part one, is hello. Were you here last week? If you weren't, you're excused. If you if you were, then uh, speak up. It's the title of the message: witnessing, right? Evangelism, sharing the gospel, proclaiming. By the power of the Holy Spirit through our works and through our words, the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. As Jesus says to his disciples in the gospel of Mark, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So our, our mission is first to proclaim the gospel to the whole world. But it doesn't end with proclamation. It continues uh, with anyone... It's the title of this week's message. 
discipling. Man, you guys are getting good. I'm liking it. Our mission continues in the lives of those who respond to the proclamation of the gospel. Once a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, we who are part of his body, the church, have a responsibility to that person. At Bridges, we declare that responsibility in what we call our mission statement. It's highlighted in these panels on the sides. The mission of Bridges Church is to glorify God. That's our first, that's our overarching priority, but we do that by renewing lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and equipping people to bring Christ-centered change to the world. Now, when we say renewing lives through the power of the Holy Spirit and bringing Christ-centered change to our world, this is just another way, maybe a long way, maybe an explanation way of saying making disciples. Making disciples involves engaging with those whose lives are being renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit, coming alongside them and equipping them to bring Christ-centered change to the world. And And when we do that, God is glorified. As people are discipled, as they grow in Christ, as they learn to worship and to honor and to love and to obey the Lord, He's glorified. And so we really should, could shorten our mission statement to the mission of Bridges Church is to glorify God through witnessing and making disciples by engaging in the mission that God has given His church. And just to be clear, this is not the mission of our church. Uh, bridges alone. This is the mission of the church, capital C. God, for His glory in His Word, has given His church, all of those who are part of the body of Christ throughout the world, the mission of making disciples. And I thank God that there are those who take this mission seriously. I've shared before how God used, used a man who took making disciples seriously to transform my life and to actually bring me to this church. I became a Christian in 1976 at the age of 13. So that was the end of my, that was my eighth grade year in school. And then during high school, I went to church regularly, but I really didn't experience much growth in faith. I I learned some things, but it didn't really impact my life so much. I knew I wanted to serve the Lord. I believed in Him. And then after high school, I graduated and I went to uh, RCC. And during my first year, I helped to start a uh, Christian club on campus. We called it the Fish Club. You know that fish thing? That was big in the 80s, I guess. I don't know. And the Fish Club did okay, but we lacked leadership. We lacked direction. And during my second year at RCC, the Fish Club was taken over, it was kind of a hostile takeover, not really, by Campus Crusade for Christ, which is now crew. A Campus Crusade staff member named Bruce McCluggage began to come to campus and to help guide the Fish Club. And really the first thing he guided us in was to change the name of the Fish Club. But more importantly, Bruce helped us to see our mission of reaching the campus for Christ, of witnessing to people on our campus, of making disciples of people on our campus. And it wasn't long before he approached me personally and said, uh, you need to be discipled. You know, you've gone to church. This is four, five years, been a Christian. You need to be discipled. He said he was willing to do that, but it'd be best if I was discipled by someone 
from the church that I attended. He said I should ask my pastor to help me find someone to disciple me. So I made an appointment with one of the pastors of the church I was attending, asked him if there was someone who could disciple me, and, and he said that this is the first time anyone had ever come to him and asked him that question. He commended me for my desire to grow in my faith and told me that he'd look into it, he'd see what he could, could do. And about two weeks later, he called and said he'd found someone who was willing to uh, disciple me. But by that time, I decided I wanted Bruce to disciple me, and so I would start attending his church, which was this church, uh, formerly Bible Fellowship of Riverside, now Bridges. And it was during that time, as I met in, in college with Bruce on a regular basis, that I began to truly grow in my relationship with God. I began to understand what it meant to be a disciple, a learner, as Tom had said, of Jesus Christ. And what it meant for me, then, in turn, to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And that's what I want us as a church to understand more. I mean, we understand some of it, I think, on different levels, but I want us to grow in our understanding today. And so if you turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, that's where we'll begin. Last week, uh, uh, like we read last week in Acts chapter 1, Matthew 28 records uh, more of, probably Jesus at the end of his life, at, before the ascension, said a lot of stuff. And so the, the gospel writers and, and Luke and Acts record different parts of that, summarizing it. And so these are more of Jesus' final words to his disciples, very similar to what we saw in Acts 1 last week. Those These are words to his disciples, to those who over the last three years he discipled. These are his disciples. These are the guys that were learning from him. They'd heard his parables. They'd heard his sermons. They'd had personal exhortations. They'd witnessed his love. They'd witnessed his miracles. They'd just recently seen his crucifixion. They'd they'd, they'd testified to the truth of his resurrection. He'd spent the last 40 days... Uh, with them, appearing to them and to others. And now just prior to his departure, prior to his ascension into heaven, just prior to him physically leaving earth, beginning in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, we read, And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all. All I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, as many of you know, this passage is known as the Great Commission. Good, I'm glad. Because Jesus is commissioning his disciples. He's giving them their mission. This is what you're going to do. I'm leaving, and this is what you're going to do. A mission that was to be passed on from disciple to disciple from church to church, from generation to generation. This was their mission, and it continues to be our mission today, to glorify God by making disciples. So let's walk through this mission together. Let's see the mission Jesus gave to his disciples, and let's allow God to speak to our hearts about our part today in this mission. We begin by looking at the command to make disciples. The main command that Jesus gave his disciples in the Great Commission is found in verse 19 of Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. 
When you read that, you might think that the emphasis is on going because it's first, and there must be going, but the central command is make disciples. That's the mission Jesus has given his church throughout the ages to carry out. So what does it mean to make disciples? The phrase make disciples is really one word in the Greek. It literally means to teach, uh, to instruct, but it has the idea of, of change, to teach in order to bring about transformation, transformation, teaching toward transformation. Making disciples involves instructing someone in their relationship with God, how to follow Jesus Christ, how to live the Christian life. Earlier, I defined making disciples in terms of our mission statement. Making disciples is the process of engaging with those whose lives are being renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit, who've come to Christ, who've been received the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is at work in their lives, and we come alongside them And we instruct them in how to live the Christian life, equipping them to bring Christ-centered change to the world. Making disciples involves being used by the Holy Spirit, being used by God in the lives of those He's renewing, that He's bringing into His kingdom, or He's brought into His kingdom. The Holy Spirit does the work of transformation, but He uses us. We're the means. His church is the means for this transformation. That he's accomplishing. He uses us to instruct by word, by, by the word of God, and by deeds, by being examples of how to live and how to follow Christ. And ultimately, how to take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world. One of the main goals of making disciples is to create a disciple maker. And thus, the the process of making disciples continues on, and it has continued on throughout the history of the church. But how do we do that? How do we make disciples? Now, discipling can take place in uh, many different ways, right? I pray that on Sunday morning, as I or or others teach the Word of God, you're, you're instructed, you're discipled. Or when we study the Word together in our small groups on a weekly basis, I pray that you're discipled. I trust that in our small groups we're being discipled. Or anytime you're receiving instruction from another believer, there's there's discipleship taking place. But at its heart, I believe discipleship involves more than just receiving information, more than just hearing instruction, even good information. It involves relationship. It involves walking alongside one another. It involves encouraging, equipping, challenging one another in love, spurring one another in love toward good deeds, to grow toward maturity in Christ. This is what Jesus did with his disciples. He gives us an example. Yes, he instructed them in many ways. He he taught them, but, but he also developed a relationship with his disciples. He entered into their lives. He lived with them. He spent time with them. He chose 12 men, and he spent three and a half years living with them, encouraging them, challenging them, training them, calling them into a deeper relationship with himself, and equipping them to carry on his ministry. And it's this deeper relationship with Christ that's that's key to making disciples. In general, a disciple is one who's being instructed by another. This means they become a follower of another. 
They put themselves under the authority of another. So, so if I were going to, heaven forbid, make a disciple of me, that person would, would need to agree to enter into relationship with me. A relationship where they'd follow me. They'd learn from me. They'd submit to my authority and my teaching. Now, as Christians, we're not commanded to make disciples of ourselves. We're tempted to do that. We're commanded to enter into discipling relationships, but we're not making disciples. Disciples. We're not making followers of ourselves. We're making disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't teach. Didn't say, "Teach them all you know. Teach them how you've succeeded in the Christian life. Teach them your secrets to success." Jesus says, uh, when you make disciples, we are to teach them to observe all that I, Jesus, has commanded you. Making disciples involves teaching people what Jesus said, what Jesus commanded. Teaching them who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. Teaching them to follow Christ. Jesus is the focus of our discipleship. Our lives can provide an example to them. But they're to become disciples, followers, learners of Jesus Christ, not, not disciples of you or me. Even the, the great apostle Paul said to the church in Corinth, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow me only to the extent that I'm following Christ. Christ is the focus, the heart, the center of our disciple making. My, my goal when making a disciple is not to make a, a, a Cliftian a follower of Cliff, right? A little Cliff. That's scary. My goal is to, to make a Christian, a follower of Christ. So we teach our disciples to observe or obey all that Jesus commanded them. And, and the textbook for this instruction is the Word of God. It's not our own thoughts. It's not our own ambitions or ideas. The textbook for disciple making is the Word of God. And Jesus makes it clear that understanding and obeying His Word, His commands, are central to what it means to be a disciple. In Luke chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's pretty harsh. You cannot be his disciple unless you're willing to bear his own, bear your own cross. Being a disciple means you must bear a cross. And bearing a cross doesn't primarily mean enduring hardship. You know, we, we use that phrase saying we have such, this cross to bear in our lives. Bearing a cross means uh, death. Bearing a cross means you die. It means going to Golgotha, the, the place of the crucifixion. It means dying with Christ. Dying to our old self, to our selfishness, to our pride. And turning to follow Jesus in newness of life. It means being born again. This is why Jesus, along with, te- with teaching, says, bapt- says that baptism is a key part of what, it, what makes a disciple. Along with teaching them His commandments, he, he, we must also baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism symbolizes what it means to be a disciple. It symbolizes our submission to Christ. It symbolizes the, the death we undergo as, we, as we're submerged in the water, and the new life we experience when we become a disciple of Christ. As we go under the water, we die with Christ. We die to our old self. And as we come out of the water, we're, we're born anew. 
we're born again in newness of life. Therefore, when we, when we baptize and, and teach, when we make disciples, we call people to come to die. To die to their old self and to live for Christ. That's the, that's the heart of discipleship. Calling someone to die to themselves and to live for Christ. To live for the one who loves them. To live for the one who gave himself for them. To the, live for the one who bought them with a price. Now, one final thing, uh, just to be very clear. There, there are not two different kinds of Christians in this world. There are not Christians who are disciples and Christians who are not disciples. The Word of God never divides the followers of Christ into two categories. Every person who trusts in Christ for their salvation, every Christian is by definition a disciple of Christ. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, we read, and, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Up until, up until that point, all the believers were just called disciples. To be a, a follower of Christ, to be a Christian, meant to be a disciple. Being a, a believer meant and means that you are a disciple. And that you're commanded to make disciples. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Being and making disciples is not an optional part of the Christian life. It's the heart. It's at the heart of what the Christian life should be all about. It's a a command. It's a commission. It's a call that we must obey And Jesus not only commands us to make disciples, He gives us the authority to make disciples. Matthew, back up to, we were in verse 19, back up to verse 18. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Jesus begins with with His authority. We, you and I, on our own, have a zilch, zero, no authority to make disciples. We and ourselves have no right to make disciples. But Jesus has commanded us to make disciples, and Jesus has given us His authority to do so. It's by the authority of Christ that we step out to accomplish the mission He's given us. Jesus Christ is the the risen Lord, the one who conquered death the one who paid the penalty for our sin, the one who purchased our justification, the one who declares us righteous, the one who on the cross defeated Satan. And because Jesus has triumphed over sin and death and Satan, therefore Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9-11, through 11, Therefore God has highly exalted Him, bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Which is another way of saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Him. His authority is superior to and over and above all other authority. And as His disciples, we have, we've been given His authority. Not to go our own way, not to do our own thing, not to found our own movement, but to make disciples for Him. We have no authority of our own, but for Christ, we have all the authority we need to accomplish the mission He gives. Therefore, we need not fear Satan or, or anyone else when we are making disciples. 
Now, there's another aspect to Jesus' authority uh, that we can't ignore. When he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, not me, him, go therefore and make disciples. We got to see that Jesus is putting all his authority behind his command to make disciples. Never forget that Jesus has authority over his people, over you, over me. We are the body of Christ. We've been bought with a price. He gives us his authority to make disciples, but by his authority, he commands us to make disciples. And therefore, we must submit to his authority. In, in John chapter 15, verse four, we, 14, we read, Jesus told his disciples, you are my friends if you do what I command. If we do not obey Jesus, we are not his friends. We are, are not his followers. And clearly, Jesus' authority extends to this final command to make disciples. This command given to us comes from the highest authority in heaven and on earth. You need not fear any other authority, any other thing that's vying for our, mission, vying for our, uh, our time and our energies. But we must submit to the authority of Jesus Christ and we must make disciples. So under the authority of Jesus, our Lord and our Master, we have been commanded to make disciples. And Jesus not only authorizes us to make disciples... He makes it clear who we're to make disciples of, the people to make disciples. You say, okay, the one who has all authority has commanded me to make disciples. I'm ready to obey, so who am I supposed to disciple? And Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The word nations is the Greek word ethnos. It refers to groups of people who share in the same language, share in the same culture. We call that a a people group. They may uh, comprise a nation, an actual nation, a country, but it may be a smaller part of of that nation. uh, Some nations may have many different people groups, many different languages and cultures. Like the first part of our mission, to be witnesses, uh, if you remember last week, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth, our mission to make disciples extends to all nations, to all people groups. It's kind of like those two go together, right? As we are witnesses for Jesus Christ, proclaiming the gospel to the ends of the earth, when people believe the gospel and receive Christ, we're to make disciples of them, make disciples of Christ of them. This is the Great Commission, and it refers to what the church does in the world among all peoples. The mission Jesus gave was was not just a, a local mission, but it was a global mission. And at Bridges, we, we want to continue being part of that global mission. We want to continue to send and support missionaries who, 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 who make disciples among other people groups, who go to places maybe where no one has been, who learn other languages, who who'll learn the nuances of other cultures. But along with being involved in making disciples globally, we also are to make disciples locally, right here where we are. We have a responsibility to disciple the people who are part of our church family. That's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. He says, and he gave the the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. God gives the church leaders who are then responsible to equip the saints, the, the church members, 
for the work of ministry, to actually to make disciples themselves, to, to be engaged in the mission God has given His church for the building up of the body of Christ. These verses are really a good description of what it looks like to make disciples in the church. The church is a place where God's people are being equipped to serve in ministry, or at least it should be. Where God's people are being discipled to know and to follow Christ. And the result is that the body of Christ is built up. It's built up numerically. More people come to know Christ. And it's built up spiritually. We can grow in the knowledge and relationship with Christ. So at Bridges, we want to become people who are committed to both discipling our own people and and to sending missionaries who make discipling among who do discipling among other people groups, among the nations. And and these are not two separate things. These are linked, uh, indelibly linked together. They go together. It's as we disciple the people who are here, who are part of our church, like uh, Tim Driscoll in Japan, and and J.D. Bennett in Spain, and Amy Alexander in Lebanon, and Kellen Hirodo and Bethany King in Malawi, and others... These are people who grew up and were discipled in this church, who came to understand God's command to make disciples among the nations. It's as we make disciples locally that God then calls some to go make disciples globally. So we've seen the command, we've seen the authority, we've seen the people to make disciples. Now let's look at one final thing, the power to make disciples. Last week, we saw that the power to be a witness comes from the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power to witness comes from the Spirit of God. And we see something similar in the Great Commission. At the end of verse 20, Jesus' final words to His disciples are, and these are encouraging words, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is a a great and an empowering promise. We are not only under Jesus' authority, but He is with us as we make disciples. He's not like a a general or a commander-in-chief who sits in, in Washington giving orders but not getting involved. Jesus is with us and He'll provide what we need to accomplish our mission. He promises that we're not on our own. As we we go forth to accomplish the mission He's given us, we go under His command, His power, His authority. And so as we conclude, I'd ask you to consider consider what, what you'll do with what you've seen in God's Word this morning. We've seen that making disciples is commanded by Jesus Christ. We've seen that the authority to make disciples comes from Christ. We've seen that making disciples is, is a, a local and a global mission to all peoples. And finally, we've seen that the power to witness, the power to make disciples f- comes from God, from Christ, from the, from the Holy Spirit. And in all this, what I hope and, and what I pray that we've seen is that being and making disciples is what we as Christians, what we as the church, what we as the body of Christ are to be about. This is our mission. Now, several months ago, uh, some of you might remember, 
in our small groups, we went through a, a book, I think it was 25 chapters or so, called Discipleship Essentials. How many, how many went through that book? Good, good, number, good number of us. This was really a time of challenging and equipping us to, to be and to make disciples. And I've asked uh, Frank Wools, or as some of you know, as I know him, uh, Dad, to come and to share how he's applying what he learned in this uh, small group discipleship equipping time. Frank, Dad, doesn't like it when I call him Frank. I don't know what the deal is. I have to read what I want to say because if I just say it, it takes too long. <clears throat> In this book that Cliff referenced, uh, at the very beginning, uh, the, first, the very first page says, Discipling is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other disciples in order to encourage, equip, and challenge one another in love to grow toward maturity in Christ. This includes equipping the disciple to teach others as well. And uh, Cliff mentioned that we were encouraged, even in the book itself, towards the end of our study, or just a couple weeks away from the end of our study. Uh, there is a place here It says... As you are looking toward the completion of your discipleship journey, this book, with your current partners or small groups, it is time to begin praying about who will join you in the next leg. And when I read that, I, I just really felt compelled to pray and to ask God who he would maybe want me to disciple. Uh, although I'm uh, feeling unworthy and inadequate, <clears throat> however, uh, God is able to use even myself. So I did pray, and the Lord laid two names on my heart very distinctly. And uh, I prayed about which one of these two men to approach and I settled on one and went and asked him if he was interested in such a thing. And uh, he thought about it for a few weeks and then let me know, yeah, I'll do that. I, uh, that sounds like a good idea. And uh, we're, we haven't met for our first meeting yet. Oh, excuse me. Haven't met for our first meeting yet, but uh, we are soon. And um, I'm just praying that the Lord would use me. Uh, to draw him closer to the Lord. And then I'm hoping that as he becomes a stronger believer or a believer, that uh, he would end up discipling someone else. And, and Paul gave us that. He taught Timothy, wanted Timothy to teach others so those others could teach more people. So that's, that's my hope, uh, Serving the Lord that way. I think that was just an excellent example 
I mean, it's, uh, was it, was it magical? I don't think it was, it was just, here's what I'm supposed to do, and I'm going to do it. I think that's, we, we, we often miss that. Jesus has laid out a process, he's laid out a strategy, if you will, for expanding his kingdom, and it's making disciples, and we just have to approach people, we have to witness, and then make disciples, praying and and seeking out those God has called us to make disciples. And that that might sound uh, scary to some, maybe you're you're thinking, I could never make a disciple, I've got enough trouble uh, making my bed, I don't know. But, but let's not, I think Tom encouraged us this morning, and I want to go back to what he said in the beginning, uh, not to get the cart before the horse. Is that right, Patty? Yeah, that's all right. Okay. The horse. Because then the cart would, anyway, it would be kind of weird. It may be true that it, at this point in your Christian life, you're not prepared to make a disciple. This was certainly true for every one of the disciples, every one of Jesus' disciples when he first called them. He said, come, uh, follow me. Notice that make disciples uh, was not the first command Jesus gave his disciples. It was the last. It was given only after they'd been discipled themselves. Before uh, Bruce McCluggage came to me and said, hey, I'd like to disciple you, I had it would have been not good for me to have discipled another in my ways. I wouldn't have known what to do or how to do it. No one can make disciples until they commit to being a disciple and until they submit to the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so the challenge I want to put before us this morning is really twofold. First, that each one of us, regardless of who you are, where you are, where you're at, will commit to being a disciple, to being discipled, if you will. And second, for those who've been discipled, they'd commit to, to making disciples. And that takes us to the action point. If you, if you have your notes or if you haven't been using your notes, maybe you want to even pull those out at, at this point. At the bottom of your, on the back, the second the back of your notes, is just a little form that I'd ask you to fill out. And what I'd like to do is to just take a moment and give everyone an opportunity to pray silently and consider what God would have you do with this opportunity. There are two boxes to check on this form. You can check one or both. If you'd like someone at Bridges to disciple you, if you'd like to be discipled, to instruct you in the Christian faith, to encourage you and to help you grow in Christ, then you would check that first box. So you put your name on there and you check that first box. And if you're willing to disciple someone from Bridges, maybe you were part of one of those small groups. I saw a lot of hands that were equipped. And I believe that that book gave us a good beginning even in in equipping to, to make disciples. But maybe you haven't done anything with that yet. Then check that second box if you're willing to invest some of your life to help a fellow believer grow in their faith. Really, this is, this is what we should be about as a church. This might, you're going, oh, people are going, oh, this is, what are you doing? We're checking boxes and you're asking us to actually do something. But, but this, is, this is the thing, guys. This is the church. This is, what, what, this is our mission. If we're not doing our mission, why are we here? 
So take a moment and pray about these opportunities. I'm going to then close in prayer, and, and when you leave, just, just tear off that bottom part of your notes, and as you leave, put it in the, the box on the left on your way out. And then it's, it's my responsibility, uh, along with the elders, to look at these responses and help uh, form some of these discipling relationships. That seem okay? All right, so let's pray. Just, just I'm going to leave some time of silence for you to go before the Lord and just ask him uh, how he wants you to engage with this. And then I'll close. Lord, today I I pray that we've seen uh, your heart, your heart for uh, those you call to yourself, your heart for us to to be witnesses and to make disciples in in the world we're in, to send people into the, the ends of the earth to continue that process, Lord. But I pray now that you would reveal to each person here their part in that, Lord, how you would have them to engage just in the process of, of making disciples. Here, uh, being a part of this church, of uh, Bridges Church, Lord. I pray you would move in our hearts. You would convict us. You would convince us of the importance of, of making disciples, the importance of, of what the mission you've given to, to us, the body of Christ. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. If you haven't filled it out, just you can keep a hold of it, think about it, and then uh, put it in the box on the way out.